Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. It's been a minute, so apologies for the delay for all our fans out there. We're excited to be back, though. It's a new year, and man, it I I think it's going to be a good year. I I pro I think when a new year comes around, I feel like we kind of proactively assume it's going to be a good year because it's a new year but uh, i i don't know what your guys thoughts are i feel like that's just kind of the effect of altruism that bleeds into everybody that touches cryptocurrency or or any type of emerging tech because you just want to be positive that there's going to be some sort of light at the end of the tunnel i don't know what your guys thoughts are on that but it's kind of it's like i made new year's resolutions to be good at least for this first month so crypto better as well right (laughs) <laughs> I expect that out of everything else I interact with. <laughs> yeah. And that I'm, makes... I'm, a, I'm a natural pessimist. So I try not to be, but yeah, I'm looking, looking ahead to, to a great bear market. <laughs> Jeez. I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far sentiments have been fairly bullish, although this week it's been fairly bearish. So, well, more to come. So interesting enough, we kind of wanted to do a conversation about an article that Vitalik wrote on December 28th. Vitalik always seems to do these roadmaps and kind of like, just what would you, how would you call them? Like just, he just kind of like, there's thought behind it, but it does sort of feel like a word vomit a little bit at some points, but I don't know what, what you would call it. Like these are, they're still really well thought out posts that he, that he that he puts together on his blog or how, what do we call this here? I think it's I call it a blog. It's ISPS. A it's a blog. It's on IPFS. Yeah. 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 Yep. That's it. And it's it's a good article though. It's about making Ethereum cypherpunk again. And well, the the title of the article is "Make Ethereum cypherpunk again." And we'll we'll post the link to the article in the description of this video for anybody that wants to also take a look and comment your thoughts because. I thought it was well thought out and has some pretty good perspectives on it. So I guess I'll just start with you all. What were your thoughts jumping into jumping into this this article? It's not it's not too long, but there's some pretty interesting elements that Vitalik brings up regarding just what's what happened in 2023, what what's continued to can you continuing to getting built going into 2024, but I, I don't know. I've, there were a few things I was interested in, but I'm, I'm, I want to hear from you guys first. Well, it's kind of interesting about the Vitalik because you mentioned like he's he's always writing and like what do you, what even is this? I was listening to another podcast appearance where Vit- Vitalik was actually on, and they asked him the same question. You know, just as you know, what does he really think of himself as in the space? He's almost something of a crypto philosopher now uh, with all of his writings, which is, I, I don't think people, people take for granted though, that Vitalik has been in the space a long time prior to Ethereum. He was, he was working in the Bitcoin space and he was a writer. He was a writer for Bitcoin magazine, which is now obviously one of the largest publications for Bitcoin. So that's always been something that, you know, he's, he's felt is important. And you even hear like, I'll read at the very beginning of this article. He talks about how much he really just loved the discussions in the space in the early days, you know, where people could discuss social technology, cultural, political issues mm-hmm. and hash these things out in debate. So I think he's he's able to somewhat reclaim 
that experience through his writings without being just totally subsumed as like a tech developer now. Cause I, I don't think he ever really intended to do that. I think that's an interesting concept there as a crypto philosopher, because, you know, fortunately for me as like, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm an expert at philosophy, but I did major in it in college. So I've been around the texts enough. If Vitalik calls himself a crypto philosopher, then I'm going to say Satoshi is like what we would refer to as like ancient philosophy, like the Socrates or the Aristotles of the space. Vitalik is not an ancient though. Vitalik reminds me more of like kind of a modern philosopher, if that makes sense, because he's, he's, he's been in the space long enough to talk about what the quote unquote ancients or, or founders essentially were doing, but he's not like, he's, he's regurgitating it and putting his own spin on it, which is what a lot of modern philosophers did with ancient philosophy. So or maybe I shouldn't say modern, I'd say medieval, medieval, I apologize. It, it would be more of a medieval philosophy. So medieval slash modern, that's kind of what he feels like to me in, in some capacity. I don't know what Matt's thoughts are, but that's sort of how I kind of view Vitalik. Yeah, if, if we're in the um, crypto middle ages, like when's the Renaissance? Anyway, the... <laughs> so I that I was think... the NFT era. Oh yeah, the Renaissance. Yeah, all the art, all the beautiful artwork. Yeah, very culturally significant. <laughs> and now it's over. <laughs> Brings us to the now present we'll day. We're in the crypto the present day. Industrial, and in, yeah, we're in the dark ages, moving towards the industrial revolution. Oh my gosh! Yeah. All right, wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I like Vitalik's writing. He's again, yeah, he's very philosophical. He's, he's kind of just a thought leader. Kind of like he's even more philosophical than like Balaji is very surface level, but like, like they're both thought leaders, if you will. Right. They're both, you know, yeah. say what they're thinking about the space. Vitalik um, is just undeniably smart. Like you can't, yes, you you know, he's very that. smart. Like, he's very smart. And he's, he's a visionary. He has a vision. Mm -hmm. Like he knows where he's trying to take Ethereum. And it's almost like when you're reading these things, you're getting a piece of it, but he's like, he's definitely the one controlling the, controlling the the strings yeah. if you will yeah he holds he, the vision he, and just, he is like, unlocking he, he is him. and the financial backers behind ethereum because even though he likes to talk about decentralization his project is not that so that's why i just sometimes i struggle with sometimes what he says because i don't necessarily think it's i don't i don't necessarily think it's always sincere i think he's i think he's very smart but I don't necessarily buy the book of goods that he sells in these blog posts. Okay. So you're a little more of a skeptic. I'm less I, of a skeptic. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm honest. a skeptic. I think he's, I think, I, I think he's honest, you know, I mean, whether or not it's a good thing, right? Like yeah. we could argue about whether or not like the stuff he argues for is good, but I, I, I think he's, I don't think he's trying to deceive anyone, but I, I, I like his writing. I think, you know, besides this piece, one interesting one that I've read that is his, he's got a post on Bitcoin maximalism. And if anything, I think he's shown me the best arguments for it. Right. I don't know. Like it, it's better than any arguments I've heard from Bitcoin Maxi. It was published that on I April first. So like everyone's like, oh, was it an April Fool's joke? But like actually it was well written. So anyway. But yeah, to, to bring it back to the article, I I think that what stood out to me the most was just the very beginning when he talks about what Bitcoin was like 
10 years ago, you know, and him going to that district in Berlin where everyone accepted Bitcoin and and he went where else did he go? But he, he went to these places where it, it, there was a community built around it and everybody accepted it and everyone was paying with it. And they were, you know, kind of openly having these discussions about it. And it it's, we've never experienced that, right? We came in 20, we're class of 2021. And so it's yeah. it's just funny how far we've gone, right? Like nobody thinks about paying for things in Bitcoin anymore, right? We're past that. It's not a payment system. It's a, Still it's a, it's 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 for my retirement accounts now. The ETFs, yeah. right? Like it's it, I it, it's it's funny. It's just how much the culture has changed, right? And and even that simple point, right? Is I don't mm. know. I, I I that that stuck out to me the most yeah um, was was just that beginning and, and yeah well so, i mean i wasn't i was i wasn't expecting you to jump right to what he mentioned when the financialization of of crypto in 2017 really kind of made the whole industry shift gears shift gears but i so i've been i've been a polka dot fan since getting in the space i've you know i've i've kind of followed a little bit of what gavin wood does and i'm not like saying i'm a polka dot expert or anything like that because i'm not a coder I literally jumped into Polkadot because it became available on Coinbase and I made a, a, a decent profit. But then as I started learning more, uh, like this is, if it wasn't for the financialization of crypto, I would have never have gotten interested in this stuff to begin with. So that's why it's like chicken or the egg, I guess. It, it, people were going to get into this and some people were going to get into it for the profit and some people were going to get into it for the vision and values that crypto upholds. So when it's practiced at its truest form, SBF. So regardless of that, I think I really like what Gavin has going on because he kind of mentions it in the middle of the first section or the end of the first section of the blog post where Gavin Wood was referring to ways of thinking about Ethereum rather than seeing it as Vitalik initially did as a Bitcoin plus smart contracts. But Gavin was thinking about it more broadly as a set of technologies that could form a base layer, which could provide a more open internet stack, which is essentially what he's now doing with Polkadot. So that's that's why I, it, it's interesting that all of these guys went their own separate ways. You know, Charles with, with Cardano and Gavin and Vitalik, the, they were all there in the beginning. And those are some of the, the largest base layer projects in the crypto ecosystem that that we can speak of today outside of Bitcoin. So I just, I, he mentioned Gavin a couple of times, which which clearly means he's thinking about the bigger picture of what crypto is in terms of it being more of that base layer for everything else to get kind of built up on top of it, like rollups and, and, and so on and so forth. So I guess probably a large portion of what we're contributing to the vision of the Ethereum space could actually be attributed to, to Gavin Wood, at least by Vitalik's admission, which yeah. is, I guess, something interesting there. I didn't really dive too much into that. I will say something interesting about Gavin too, is when you look at all of those developers who were kind of there at Ethereum's nascent days, Gavin Woods was really like, Vitalik was the center. Vitalik was the one with the vision. Yeah. He was the one who actually had the smarts to build what Ethereum is. And Gavin Wood was, at least this is the way it was portrayed in, in what I was reading but was something of Vitalik's like buffer from all of the people that just wanted to get, get at Vitalik and get yep. at Ethereum, you know, for whatever purposes and whatever reasons 
you can imagine early investors and 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 people kind of wanted to take advantage or to at least hop on that train early. So Gavin Wood was kind of that that buffer line with Vitalik. So I think I think Vitalik really does look up to him as almost yeah. something of a father figure, if you will. And even Charles Hodge and Hodginson, is it with Cardano? Yeah, so, yep, something like that. Yep, Charles Hodge. Hodges. He he was there at the early days, but he was never actually accepted, essentially by Gavin Wood. So that's why that's why he had to go off and develop his project alone. And I don't know if Gavin Wood has totally left Ethereum. I know he's working on what is it, the Cosmos? What is that? Yeah. So What's the name he, of the company like, that actually produces Polkadot now. It's so the there's 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 so the Polkadot ecosystem. There's like a couple that are really big. There's like Adam, obviously, with Cosmos, yeah. and then but I think uh, it's Kus- just produced. Kus- I think Kusama. it's the Web three foundation or something. Yeah, it's something like that. But their projects are all stemmed from Adam, Polkadot, and Kusama. Those are the three like main chains that make up that ecosystem. Adam is the one that, or Cosmos is the one that everything gets built on, though. Yeah, I don't want to dive too much. I think it's the Web3 Foundation. I can't forget the name of that foundation. but We'll uh, figure it out sometime. Or somebody in the comments will make fun of us and and tell us. Well, either way, what I really think is great is to hear Vitalik come out with something like this, though, because it's essentially exactly what we've spoken about on this podcast so many different times, which is that whatever this whole space the vision of the space is so much more than just number go up it's not about you know it sure it's great to make money but that's not what this is about like especially when you're talking to to christians in the space and to you know to those of us who really kind of see the ugly side of censorship and these systems that do not really look favorably upon free speech or really anything of of the sort of of the values that we hold, we can immediately understand why these blockchain systems provide an alternative that could really be something of value, not just to a pocketbook, but really to like a whole lives. And so having Vitalik iterate what he kind of views as the cypherpunk manifesto or vision and apply that to Ethereum is just once again, him saying like, let's course correct. And this is not the only time he's done this. He's constantly doing this saying, yes, this is a space, but let's course correct. This is, this is where we're going. And I think that's so important for the space because it reminds people, everybody who's working in it, that there is actually something greater here, you know? So as much as I could actually look through this article and maybe question a few things, I'm super grateful that he put this out because it really does just, it iterates exactly the vision that I think all of us kind of recognize of what Ethereum really could be. And I think anybody who's reading this takes away that, yeah, let's go and like build these things. Let's build uh, these decentralized uh, stacks, you know, these decentralized layers to what is going to be the future hard drive of the world, you know? So I, I really hope that people do read it and, and do take uh, take it up, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I really, I, I think what I find curious reading through it is, you know, there's this initial vision of Ethereum, what was the file one? And then rumor was the messaging one swarm was, or whisper, whisper, swarm. gosh, I'm getting all these mixed whisper up. Whisper was Ethereum. the messaging one. Yeah. Ethereum is finance swarm is files. So then whisper was, well, no, um, Ethereum wasn't never... finance. Ethereum was what? Ethereum was contracts, contracts, but, but no, 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 no. financial contracts. Ethereum was, yeah. Contracts. That's what he has. I think really what it was, was Ethereum was, yeah. 
it wasn't just, but it, he really, he made a, he made a, it wasn't just about the finance side of it though. It's, sure. It's sorry. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's the contracts. Cause like he says, he, he mentions ENS several times. Right. And that's not a financial thing. That's a, yeah. but yeah, so it's a he contract. He doesn't say it in it's this, but really Ethereum is, Ethereum is, is the computing power because you need file storage, awesome. you need computing power, you need, you know, so that's really what Ethereum is. So what were you saying though, regarding the contracts and then something about Swarm and Whisper too? Matt. Yeah. So I, I was just saying the, I thought it was interesting. I, I've never, so Swarm IPFS is now the file storage one, which we've all heard of, but Whisper, like, do you know anyone who uses Whisper? I've never, I feel like I've never heard of it. I don't, I don't know that. I know anyone who uses it. I think some of the apps we use, like I think Telegram already does like end-to-end -end encryption, you know, it's, it's, and so I, I don't know that I need a more decentralized system. I, I don't know. I'm curious to dig into it. Well, he did say that Whisper actually evolved. And I think it was Waku now. Waku, oh, he whatever. Said, but okay. even that I haven't heard of. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Then Whisper, now Waku. I know. I do think... I do think there are possibilities that can go beyond Telegram. I think Telegram is really interesting, and I'll have to have to have to to see exactly the extent of it. But even just for example, like Telegram obviously requires you to link a phone number to it. Now is that yeah? You integral? need you need a you need a cell phone number yeah. for it. And is that integral to the functioning of Telegram? I don't think so. It's more of a spam. It's a security. Know, a yeah, it's a, a security. It's, like it's a spam layer. Security slash. I mean, it's not like full-fledged KYC, but it's kind of KYC. Yeah. And I think there's also probably on-chain solutions that are still being talked about now. But I mean, just at, at the heart of it, like I don't see why I shouldn't be able to send a note from my wallet address to somebody else's. I think that kind of functionality people mm -hmm. are talking about building. So what I was saying was what I think was super interesting about Gavin Wood's kind of vision of the decentralized hard drive is that it's not just Ethereum and everything built on top. It's Ethereum with IPFS, with a decentralized chatting service. So a really a com cohesive, interoperable kind of world of blockchain and other decentralized options. He mentions Bitcoin at the very end, but ultimately, I just don't see how a Bitcoiner could read this and not realize that Ethereum isn't trying to take the place of Bitcoin. Yeah. It's really building a different vision. So... And it's a vision that's needed. You know, he explains exactly how centralized applications and centralized servers can take advantage of people and take advantage of their data and, and censor them and how that problem requires a solution. And it's a solution that Bitcoin is frankly not even attempting to build to, you know, towards. Yeah. But so, couldn't, but could like, you know, we've talked to a lot of people that are, you know, trying to make Bitcoin more interoperable. Couldn't you build towards that or would it always have to be like kind of a EVM to Bitcoin for that to ever work? Or I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if you would need, do you, d, d, IPFS and Whisper or Waku, like, do they need Ethereum to work or are they just bundling these three features together to say, Hey, we're doing all of this for they a common goal, don't. right? Like, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, to play devil's advocate, right? Like, I, I think we could develop enough things on, um, 
on Bitcoin or, you know, even if it's like a, we had Willem Schro with Spider Chain, right? If, if he develops an EVM that natively uses Bitcoin, then, you know, do, do we need Ethereum? I mean, do we need the, the mission of it? Yes, that's what he's trying to replicate. But like, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that yeah. we need that piece. Well, Vitalik's original vision was what? Bitcoin plus smart contracts. Exactly. Yeah. Bitcoin wasn't, would refuse to build smart contracts. So it's not, it's not necessarily a matter of could it, because I think it could, but will they, will the community go for it? And if not, then, then we just have Bitcoin for money and an EVM for the decentralized hard drive. You know, it's, that's just kind of what you're stuck with, I guess. Yeah, Does it have so to be that way? Not necessarily, but I also don't see it's. I don't think it's also necessarily a bad thing to be that way. I think that's I that think toxic that kind of Bitcoin masculinity work. that we talk about. <laughs> Why would I need another coin? <laughs> I have Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it 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 is interesting, and I just I feel like I've been whatever, especially plugged in and, and trying to figure out all the yeah. interesting things that are going on in Bitcoin and like. It looks like with BitVM, like it looks like they'll have zero knowledge proof verifiers natively on Bitcoin, right? And so that whatever mm -hmm. rollups are the next step after that. And so anyway, it just, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Even, even, and now I'm trying to remember, Connor, remember when we were in Miami and we were talking to that one guy and he was, he was developing some sort of like. Um, what was it? It was like credentials, but it was like Bitcoin oh, yeah. related, right? Like, like he, he, there, he was developing something that was, was identity credential related, but built off of Bitcoin instead of, and it was very convoluted. I was like, I don't think anyone will use this, but I was building it. <laughs> Sorry if you're yeah. listening. I think I'll use it, but it was because he was building because the was building. philosophy was such like is such like a privacy like peer to peer i can't let anyone else in on this like he was like double encrypting mm -hmm. stuff so that like only the person receiving it if i give them a special code they can access it and i i don't know like it was it was he was yeah, building way too much like privacy and security in mind that it's like hey i i don't know have you seen social media some people like attention and publicity <laughs> Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And that's, and, and I mean, even just looking back at the, cause we also pulled up, we can add this one in the link to Brandon on the YouTube description. We also pulled up what they call it the cypherpunk manifesto yeah. written by Eric Hughes in 1993. And it's great. I mean, it's a great read. It's very short and it's just, Hey, this is how much we value privacy. And I'll tell you what's great about it is that it's like, this was written in 1993 before the internet as we know it was really a thing. I mean, what, yeah. the first website, I think you looked up, Matt, it was like 1991. Okay, yeah. people in 1993, yeah. my parents in 1993 were not browsing the web like we are today. It's just, it wasn't imagined that it would look yeah. like it is now. So that was super cool. And to know ahead of time, prescient, you know, how prescient it was to write this in 90, 1993, to know ahead of time that privacy was going to be a serious issue. And now it is. Now we're kind of stuck yeah. just revealing all of our information to the world and, and providing our private information to private companies to do with as they will, essentially. Yeah, um, no question about it. That article is a internet relic for sure. Yeah, for sure. But how much of that 
so they had that vision in 1993 and how much did that really succeeded? Not a whole lot. Obviously we have all these struggles today. So it's like, great that you had the foresight, but why didn't it work out? And I think that that all could almost be an interesting case study too. Where did it go wrong? Where did we fail? Because essentially what's, what is the result of all of their efforts? Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the only thing that really fulfilled their vision. And it's, it's still yeah. a pro work in progress to be frank. Well, I, I don't know enough about the mechanics of like Tor, right? It's like an internet alternative. You heard of Tor, the dark web, whatever they want to call it. Like it's I, a wild, it, it's in, a wild in, place. Maybe you've been there, but it's, I don't know, you know, in one sense, are all the people who cared about privacy in 1993, like, are they enjoying privacy on Tor? Maybe they are, right? Maybe they, they, <laughs> Yeah. act their own they built their own computer running linux on tor they're having great discussions with each other and it's just it's not built for everyone right but it's it's which is a problem i've i've i was chatting with a guy i don't know if i've mentioned this before and he he has this phone the cell phone that runs linux right it's not an android it's not an iPhone, like it runs Linux because he, he's a very open source software guy. And he's like, I want to build open source software. And so he's got this phone and, and, you know, he, I don't know, like, like he has to code every app for it. And, and, and he's like, okay, I'm doing this so that hopefully in the future, there will be this plethora of, of things and it'll be a lot easier to use. And somebody could, you know, say, Hey, I, I don't want to trust these people. I'm going to use this open source thing and, and just download these apps. But I, I don't know, like, like I, I was trying to say with the Bitcoin guy, like, like, is it, is the philosophy too, like, is it, I don't know what I want to say, like, like self extinguishing, like, is my desire to do everything by myself and super privately such that I'm not going to attract other people to put in that effort and do that as well. Well, I think it's partially connected yeah. to, you know, kind of living in an age of decadence though, like. It is so, it's so easy to do certain things, certain ways, because people invented things that have just changed the way we operate. So, you know, you look at technology like the iPhone or, I mean, I guess probably, you know, to kind of talk about something pretty recent, like what Roku has done, basically taking over the TV game now, it, the, these, these things are getting built because there is a perceived ease in accessing everything that we think we want or need at the touch of our fingers. So I think it has more to do with a disposition and an era where we just live in decadence and we don't have to think about certain things certain ways, because why would anybody want to think that hard unless it's a passion project? And that's what I'm saying. Is it yeah. the age or is it totally the, is it the type of person? Is it a personality thing where like there never will be the a global majority who says, I want to build my own open source computer and run my own software because I don't trust. Well, anybody. the mistake, like, no, no, you know, no, no. the mistake there is <laughs> there never will be. Obviously, this is a mistake with all these is that you expect, oh, we're going to somehow educate everybody and, and they're going to eventually realize how important that's not that's not going to be the reality you have to just create it that way you know if you're building the innovative technology you have to you as a person have to create it in such a way that it 
embodies those values. So you actually need the creators to basically enforce the values top down on the world, but in a way that's good, not bad. So that's Elon really... Musk. You got to have, yeah. you got to, you got to be Elon Musk. Basically. You got to be Elon Musk. You need a visionary. And that's what I'm saying. That's what Vitalik is. He's enforcing his values that he pulled from the cypherpunk world top down onto the Ethereum community. It's not, it's not this grassroot kind of democratized vision. This is not, it's not what this is, you know, but that, and that's not to say that that there's no value obviously in independence of course and no. other people building independent technologies together we we there's there's communication happening both both ways but the goal here is to build technology that is so good that everybody uses it and then the default yeah. is just that that it is privacy ensuring that it is decentralized you know that it is censorship resistant so and but that is a that's a hard thing for people to really wrap their hands heads around that it's not uh, sure. It's not democratized. <laughs> like the values of like trustlessness. It's like, oh, wait, but I do have to trust the people who write the software. Like, like you have to, I don't know. There's, there's a certain balance where like, if you, that, I, that's my point is I, I think some of these people are going so hard with certain values that like, they're not going to build something that people want to use. Like they're, they're going to be stuck building. Yeah. And so you're right. I, I think you need someone with the vision and like a desire, a, a desire to impose their vision on the world, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. that's, that's what Vitalik's yeah. doing. That's what Elon Musk is doing. They're like, yeah. actually, it's my world and you're living in it and we're going to space. <laughs> we're driving electric cars yeah. and, you know, yeah. your internet's from a satellite. Donald like, Trump put Donald, Donald Trump, Trump yeah. in that boat too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, and I, I don't know. We're a Christian podcast. I guess we just like it, it, Christian monarchy is good, and we need <laughs> we need rulers yeah. who have good values that they want to impose on everyone. Like I, I don't know. Is that the is that the summary here? Yeah, we need a. <laughs> basically, it is. Yeah, but <laughs> we need Christian builders to impose a Christian vision on the crypto space. Exactly. That's essentially the message we of our podcast. This. We need that. But it is interesting. So in his article, he does list a number of values that are building, that are getting built or that to some level people hold to that are building in this space, I suppose. So he says open global participation, meaning that participation should be permissionless, decentralization, censorship resistance, auditability that you can audit the code. Yep. Credible neutrality, meaning that I guess the base layer shouldn't be partial to any one group or the other. That building tools, not empires, meaning things should be interoperable. And you should have a co cooperative mindset that we're all working together. Now, I looked at these and I'm like, I think actually all these are good, but I think they can really just be boiled down to censorship resistance and auditability, meaning that these, t these things that we're building, all right, why decentralization? Well, decentralization is just a proxy ultimately for censorship resistance. If everything's decentralized, then no one party can censor the other party, right? So if you really look at all of these, to me, it just boils down to, I want software that is not going to allow for anybody to censor the, the things and the, the values that I care about. And obviously other people want a system that's not gonna censor what they care and value about. So that's kind of how this, this works, but it really is just censorship resistance. Then the second one, 
auditability. That's the only other one that I think is its own thing. It's essentially uh, transparency that anybody can audit the code and assure that there's no foul play or cheating going on. Mm-hmm. So to me, those are the two core values of the crypto space. Everything should be asking, everybody should be asking itself, asking themselves, how is this smart contract that I'm working with that I'm building censorship resistant? And how is it transparent? I mean, mm-hmm. what what do you guys think? Are there other values here? I th- I think the no. building I mean, tools, not empires, is like a good philosophy to have, and, and and I think that works with a cooperative mindset. In that, like, I don't know, like I don't think Elon Musk shares that. Like, he wants to build the everything app. Like, he he wants to rule. He's not like putting a tool out there that says if this is the best one, it'll get used. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I, I well, think and the other aspect be- of that too, though, is that I think is viewing all these crypto projects, all these smart contracts as like one piece of a giant puzzle. What is it that Brantley called that? He called that, you know what I'm talking about, Matt, how you're building something that is like a layer that something else is going to put in and, and build. It's composable. Yeah. That was the composable. word. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that is something that's kind of unique to the crypto space in a sense that all of these tools are functions of a whole and it's not just, you're not just building the Facebook where everybody's siloed into one thing. Mm-hmm. But essentially, when you have all these composable tools, then you can kind of pick which building blocks you want. And if one becomes compromised or one kind of turns sour, it doesn't ruin the whole structure. You can just yeah. pull it in a new building yeah. block. Yeah. So, and that is, that's something that's unique about the crypto space. Yeah. And like, you know, he points out later on, right, you have a centralized exchange that could completely collapse. Or if you do a decentralized exchange and you like use stable coins, like the only trust is I'm relying on people backing those stable coins, right? Like, like you're, you're separating uh, too many pieces. I will say it works like that within a blockchain. There's no, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum can't natively know what Bitcoin's doing and vice versa. So, so right. yes, it does work for a single platform, which we are talking about, right, with Vitalik. He's trying to make Ethereum cypherpunk again. And, and so, so yes, if I build a smart contract, any other smart contract can call it any other, you know, that one can also call other ones, but yeah. If I could maybe poke one little, one question or one possible critique of his his article here. I don't think he sufficiently really dived into the privacy question and he did kind of talk around it a little bit. So he mentioned Tornado Cash, but then he he was basically saying like in the wake of of Tornado Cash, you know, we're building these other tools. Um, and the ones what he's referencing is privacy pools, which is basically a fork of Tornado Cash that was proposed by Amin, who if you're not familiar with him, he's kind of the founder of Moloch Dow, one of our favorite, favorite projects in the crypto space, right? <laughs> but the problem here is that I really don't think Vitalik sufficiently defended Tornado Cash. And I think a lot of people didn't because it was, hey, let's not poison the well. Let's not, you know, sink the ship with if one thing's going south. But the problem is that by suggesting what kind of their solutions, it's like a, it's a KYC workaround. So they propose these things called privacy pools, which is to say that uh, it's tornado cash, but you can actually choose to separate yourself from somebody else's input. So if I know 
a, a wallet belongs to North Korea and they enter a note into Tornado Cash, I can say, I don't want to be a part of that privacy set. So I separate myself. Now, the problem is that then you say, okay, if, so who's going, where is the pressure getting applied? Is that a personal decision that I'm separating myself or was somebody applying pressure to me so that I'm separating myself from, you know, the outside actor who in this case, we, everybody most would agree that I don't want to be associated with North Korea or whatever, but who's to say it could be anything else. And so now you've just allowed a system that is open to, to, uh, to pressure and to, to, you know, corruption and to, to blackmailing and whatever you want to call it that way. And, and I think, I think that kind of opens a whole can of worms. Essentially, if we're really saying, let's make Ethereum cypherpunk again, and what is cypherpunk privacy? Well, what are we really doing for privacy? I don't think, I don't think we're really solving that problem. No. Do we? Not, not, not really. So I, I will, again, uh, play devil's advocate, why not? If I have a system that cannot censor me, like, I don't know, like, privacy is nice to have, but, like, is it necessary? Can I, you know can I tell you an example of something here? So sure. a couple, of, like, uh, just yesterday, it was weird. I was talking with somebody from another company, and I needed to get them in touch with somebody from you know, the company that I work for. And I asked, you know, for their email and, you know, most companies emails, it's usually like a combination of somebody's name, like, you know, first initial last name or whatever combination. They gave me five numbers and then at their company.com companies. I think companies today are doing a better job of defending privacy of their employees than their employees do walking outside of their walking outside of the office and going on their social media app or whatever. So it was really weird. Like they didn't answer by their name or anything. And this is a very, like everybody would know who this company is. If I said it, I'm not going to do it, but it was eerie. And it feels like that's where the general direction is going because companies are concerned about, you know, employees and protecting their employees so that they don't get held liable for what their employees do when they're potentially not in the office or something like that. I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of interesting, you know, and since we're talking about privacy, it was, it just kind of was on my brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or is well, it, or is it like a prison thing where you don't have a name anymore? You're just a number. Be. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. That is, that is an interesting, it, like, I, I do wonder it if it's privacy. I'll but, tell you what company it was after we stop recording, sure. but I'm not going to yeah. do it on the podcast. Sign up for our Patreon to get the after hours. No, no, no. <laughs> we do not have a Patreon. We do not do an after hour show. Although that, that wouldn't be the worst idea. Well, and to answer your question then, Matt, about is privacy necessary? I think ultimately it, it comes down to is it necessary for me? Like if I mm. privacy for me, but not for you yep, is eventually going to come back to bite you. If it's, if somebody else is, you know, suggesting of ostracizing you instead of North Korea. Right. Connor, so are you trying to tell us that you have a bunker in New Zealand right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, see that's that's ultimately the problem with this space i mean anybody and he even mentions it in the in the article but just that you know yeah 
everybody wants to deal with this problem of exercising bad actors, but how do you do that in a way that is truly censorship resistant and, and decentralized and privacy supportive? And so one more critique too is he says this, and I think I actually think most of directionally, most of what he said was good. But here he says, centralized actors should not have the power to interfere with any given user's or application's ability to operate. He says this in regards to censorship resistance. And then he says, concerns around bad actors should be addressed at higher levels of the stack. And then leaves it off on that. What does that mean? Concerns around bad actors should be addressed at higher levels of the stack. Like what higher levels? Where, where are we talking about here? If are you're talking about like Coinbase kicking people off for trying to or put XRP in back in their Coinbase or... wallet or like what, like it's not answered, but actually to your point, I thought that was interesting. That's my, that was my thought. I was like, oh, maybe he's saying high levels of the stack, meaning not on chain, high, uh, bad yeah. actors should be dealt with in legal systems. I actually I'm agree with that. that. I think, yeah, I think decentralized privacy resistance, all those things should be built into the code of Ethereum, built into the code of the future hard drive of the world. And then, oh, you have a problem with North Korea's participation? Well, we have to deal with that in the real world. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's honestly, that's my solution to the, the bad actor problem. Yeah, yeah. I think into maybe, I don't know, maybe we can talk other topics if this derails us too much, but I was listening. I, I think he mentioned it when I, I listened to Vivek Ramaswamy on... Uh, what's that, good what's that podcast day. call? I don't even know. They're a popular one. The Ethereum one. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I was it bankless? Was bankless. It bankless. Yeah. Bankless. Um, he was on Bankless and he was talking about his crypto policy. And and I think he, he brought it up that like, well, well like out, if, you so commit it's not fraud, happening. if you commit fraud, you commit fraud. Like, you know, yeah. we'll deal with you. Right. Like it's not. I, I don't know. So it, it, yeah, like let people make the codes so they can do what they want. And if they do something, I legal, saw his bus driving through Iowa legal. last week. So, sidebar. So, so yeah, I, was, I, I, I do wonder if, if, if I talk a little bit of news, Trump had come out and said he was anti CBDC. And I saw the announcement because I also saw Vivek quote tweeting it essentially. It, it it really the way it was phrased it seemed like he convinced Trump to be he's like no you got to take the stance and so I don't know I just I I'm I'm really curious to see we all saw that video where they're hugging and whispering something to each other right I don't know that's mm -hmm. we'll we'll see we'll see maybe we'll get his his platform and Trump's an Gosh. NFT guy anyway too so you know. Yeah, no, right. Trump's made a decent amount off of those Solana NFTs. So Gosh. a nice little, hilarious, nice so. little boost of income to help pay those legal fees. I get it. <laughs> but you can, you can tell how jaded I am by the political system. So um, anyway, yeah. it, interesting race. I'm I'm curious to see, especially with, again, you know, I I, I thought it was impressive when Vivek said he was whatever he put out his crypto platform and then and then just to you know obviously hear people who are anti-cbdc a number of states are like putting it in their constitutions that they're you know protecting the ownership of bitcoin or anti-cbd anyway yeah. i don't know just interested to see the bank um, says a lot of good well, things but i think he's kind of a grifter i don't trust them but like <laughs> i i i just i don't know 
Yeah. yeah, I'm not endorsing him. I'm just I'm saying I, I'm impressed that a presidential well, candidate you can't. he's already dropped out of the race, Matt. So yeah, there's nothing to endorse anymore. Had a <laughs> had a crypto platform, and we like keep seeing both like anti CBDC things and like pro crypto things yeah. just popping up. I'll, here I will say on the anti CBDC thing, it's I think it's like an easy it's an easy stance to take. It yeah. doesn't really cost you anything. I need really. Uh, yeah, tell tell me when I see action, then I'll start believing things. Yeah. Like like DeSantis actually had put put action behind that. All these other guys, it's they're just they're it's hearsay. And t- until I see like pen to paper or like actual legislation being yeah. signed that this is like something they're going to take seriously, I it's all it's all just. It's all just words. Well, even with DeSantis, I mean, it's just like, okay, we're anti, there will be no CBDC. It's like, yeah, I know. Okay, what does that mean, though? Like, it's what not is this, perfect, but CBDC? at least he put something into writing. Have we seen any proposed CBDCs? What scope of limiting of, you know, if we build any sort of improvement to the to digital dollar, is that a CBDC? I mean, it's like, yeah. what, are, what are we even talking about? I feel like it's kind yeah. of just one of those. And I've I even said this before, but. The problem is the U.S. financial system now, not yes. a future CBDC. The problem is right now. It's right now. So yep. let's try to correct the problems that we have right now and not, you know, take it as a win that we prevented some hypothetical problem in the future, you know? True. Yep. No, I, I agree with you, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is now, not hypotheticals. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, it's good. Sure. We oppose CBDCs and we like to have Vitalik, it's not Vitalik, Vivek, who I have had a problem sometimes confusing his name with Vitalik in the recent past, <laughs> but we're talking about Vivek. It's good. I think it's actually, I think he's, he's someone who knows how to kind of foam engagement and foam cloud and get people oh, talking about him. He's very well a great spoken. great speaker. Yeah. Very well spoken. Um, but yeah, he does kind of take popular issues to some extent. Barack Still, Obama however. of the Republican Party. Okay. <laughs> Still, <laughs> however, I was going to say, I think it's good that he's around Trump right now and is encouraging yeah. some kind of pro, pro Bitcoin and pro crypto maybe thought there because mm-hmm. this is, let's be honest, this is just an issue that young people care about. And it's very difficult for old boomers to really wrap their heads around, you know, digital money. So yeah. it's, it's hard if Trump is on his own to ever probably fully accept bitcoin yeah it'll it'll be tough all right with that let's keep making crypto cypherpunk get your privacy encrypt every message you send to someone and just buy a vpn not your coins everybody buy a vpn put a vpn (laughs) on all of your devices put change your location whenever you're doing anything just yeah if you're out for a walk, make a turn when you're not supposed to, you know? Don't let Google know where you're going either. Right. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thanks for joining us on the uh, Crypto Conversion Podcast. We have some links if you want to read the articles we discussed about in the YouTube description. Please do leave us a comment. Let us know uh, what you think about this space, what you think about privacy and the future development of these technologies. And uh, if you have some topics you curious about or questions you have or maybe things you want us to discuss in a future podcast leave us a comment and ask us those questions and give us those suggestions there otherwise we hope you will stay tuned keep keep your eyes and ears peeled on future for future releases here on youtube and on spotify 
and we're going to be coming to you all year. You guys have a great new year. Peace.